that's all film. Time speed is what it is. Uh, I take playing speed as a more important gauge than time speed. Me personally, I probably watch more film on him than any prospect that I could ever remember watching film on, ever remember watching film on. That's all film. Because everyone said, well, he ran real slow. It's an alert. I said, okay, well, games that I watched, I didn't see him get run by. It's an alert. With the 53rd pick in the 2017 National Football League draft, the Detroit Lions have selected Tease Tabor. Judge podcast episode zero style. We're just gonna shoot some shoot some draft uh, off off the top uh, of the, the head. Top. Just some just some little draft knowledge, some, some hot takes, maybe maybe some cold takes. As, as authentic as the back judge can get. Yeah. But I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the event we just attended. Oh yes, Mr. Absolutely. Andrew Yang. Two Andrew Yang supporters uh, here. He has the uh, the the back judge, the elusive back judge endorsement. <laughs> So, ever so elusive. Ever so elusive. You might see instead of say last, we might have to change it to math or something. We, we may or, have to uh, on the on Stay the homepage. Tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for the Yangisms. I will say, if we had a soundbite of him dropping the f bomb at the event, yes. it would be the only swear word allowed it, in this show. It absolutely would, and it, just like it would be the one f bomb that was allowed at that conference, because there was only one. There was only one, he, and, and he and he timed it out perfectly, <laughs> and a true professional. And that's the reason why he's got our uh, our certification. Check him out, Judge. Yang 2020. He'll be on stage. Yes, he'll he be, will. He'll be on stage. He'll be representing uh, the, uh, the the Democratic Party, at least part of it, at the debates. Yep. He'll be debating with people. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to seeing him get his message out to the masses. Want to see him, you know, get a little dirty. I would. I'd like to see him roll his sleeves up and get his hands dirty a little bit in the debates. Um, maybe throw a few of his constituents under the bus. Maybe, maybe. constituents is the wrong word. Yeah, Opponent, it is. opponents uh, from in, the same within the party. Yeah, yeah opponents <laughs> within the party. <laughs> we're his constituents. Yeah, we're, <laughs> you don't want to do that. Um, but yes, we're gonna uh, do some draft talk today. And I first, it is posted on the website, but I want to drop my prophecy that I had the other day. The Giants are gonna trade up from six to two and draft Dwayne Haskins, quarterback from Ohio State. And the Niners obviously will go back to six, and they will be drafting DK Metcalf, receiver from Ole Miss. I just think that this move, a little bit of a far, you know, far stretch. I'm, I'm making a lot of things happen here. So it's like a double. It's a double prophecy. It is. A, yeah, we got a lot We're of parlaying it. Got a lot of moving parts here, but I think first of all, with the Giants, I'm just refusing to believe that. And and if a person, Dave Gettleman, who's been hired to be an NFL GM is this clueless and like doesn't have a plan. And we can debate all day or just crap on him all day about we don't agree with what he's doing currently. But with the moves that you've made to draft Saquon, to which obviously last year was you're in a win-now mode, you clearly know that now is that you're picking number six, you're not in a win, you don't have a win-now team. Mm-hmm. But your quarterback is terrible. You And you just traded to get more assets, presumably to have to move up to get a quarterback. Yeah. You have you. This is the move that you have to make if you're the New York Giants. I don't see any other way. If they go, if they let their first pick of of the draft go by and they select a position other than quarterback, I would I would be shocked and just overall 
completely selling them. I, I've already been selling them, as all of you know, for the past two years, but they would just be gone for me. But I, I think that that is the move that they're going to make. Pat Shermer wants a classic pocket quarterback to deliver the ball when it needs to be. Eli Manning cannot make all the throws anymore. Dwayne Haskins can. What he lacks in athletic ability, I mean, he does perform very well in the pocket. Yeah. Played very well against big you know, teams like Michigan in big games. Smart. Smart. Really smart quarterback and has proven he can pick up on a system pretty quickly. Um, has met with the, just to piggyback of what you were saying, kind of just has, has met with the Giants multiple times. I think there's kind of a little bit of a uh, hidden love or maybe not so hidden love between these two parties. Yeah. And, and, uh, and just to even get into the, the 49ers section a little bit, I feel like at number two, if you're the Niners, three of the last four years you have drafted D lineman in, with your first overall pick in the top ten. You drafted uh, Arik Armstead, you drafted Solomon yeah. Thomas, and you drafted DeForest Buckner. And right now, DeForest Buckner is the only one of those guys that's any good. And you traded for D4. And it, but it, and that was what I was about just to get to, is that this offseason, you make a move to go get D Ford, which I didn't really love either. I don't either. understand that. Yeah, giving yeah. up a second-round pick for him seemed like a lot. But at that point, your D-line is pretty – I mean, not that it's set because you didn't hit on all your picks – but I just don't think you're in a position as the 49ers to be spending any more assets on your defensive line. Mm-hmm. You, you've just you've done it, and at this point, the guys who aren't as good just need to go, and you can need to bring in some other people to do their jobs, or just deal with the fact that you grossly overestimated how good these guys would be in the NFL. But what you do need is a weapon on offense to help your quarterback. Currently, your receivers are is Pierre Garcon even there anymore? No. I mean, you have Marquise Pettis. Goodwin and Dante Pettis. So, I mean, Dante Pettis is a promising young player. I don't think he's a number one receiver in the league. Like, I don't think that yeah. that's his career, you know, trajectory. And I think if you bring in a guy like DK Metcalf, obviously we can talk all day about whether or not he's actually yeah. the right pick. Um, I just think that he is going to be consensus, the, the number one overall wide receiver on most teams' boards. And I think taking him at two is a little too high. Taking him at six might even be a little too high. But at least you're getting value for your pick. You're not going so far backward that your player in DK Metcalf will probably get selected at that point in between coming back from two to six. So overall, I think that this scenario just really makes too much sense for both teams. And I just think I would really, I think if I saw that happen on draft day, um, you could come away as a fan from both of these teams, at least feeling somewhat positive about what you did. Yeah, no, and I think that it does, I think it would be both teams like, Taking that next step yep. and admitting that, uh, admitting what they are and, and, and addressing what they need. And I can, I don't want to like disagree with you on it because it's a prophecy and I'm very yeah. interested to see how it goes. I have been seeing DK fall on mm-hmm. a lot of draft boards just because I think the common consensus amongst the league is more uh, towards not even to boost myself, but just like what I was saying earlier, which is like, look at the past few years. What's the point, especially in this class of taking a guy uh, before 20. Absolutely. Because the, because the market may not be that big for it considering the value elsewhere and, and you know, what receivers have done in recent years. But I think it's definitely interesting food for thought, but it, I think it would definitely be I mean, I think, too, if you were the Niners, I think, I think you'd get that, you would ask, the asking price of the number two overall pick, I feel like should be potentially a second rounder to go along with it. I don't know. Yeah. I think, I think to move from two to six in this draft. Someone better to, be coming to, up to get Haskins. Yeah. It could just be, you know, I think, I don't know, would you, if you were the Giants, do you think giving up that 17th overall pick is too much to go from 6-2? to two? Well, I do, I do, considering that I know San Francisco's not taking Haskins. 
I know the Jets aren't taking Haskins. I know yeah. Oakland is the, the, probably... The risk, I mean, the risk is that a team like the Redskins, the Broncos, the Dolphins mm-hmm. would make a move up there. Is he your guy? Is Dwayne yeah, Haskins I think if, your guy? Yeah, I think if Dwayne Haskins is your guy, I think you give up 6-17. and 17. Yeah, and I think... And I would definitely agree with that. I just personally, after reviewing his his yeah him as a player a I don't know necessarily if he'd be my guy I don't I but at this point I, I can say after watching enough of him I wouldn't necessarily blame someone for them being for yeah. him being their guy I don't I, I'm not in a in a position where I think I could say like like a Drew Locke where uh, yeah yeah where I where, exactly I'm on a clear side with him I I like I said earlier to you when we were talking before we uh hit the big red button I, I would rank Haskins like late first maybe early second so I don't think that It'd be that much of a stretch for someone if they really thought he was their franchise quarterback, which he seemingly can develop into. Cool. That's the prophecy to start <laughs> off the show. Absolutely. Uh, just some general uh, draft rundown and inquiry. We're we're you know just over a, or just under a month. A away. month. Yeah. Or no, it's twenty fifth, right? Twenty fifth. Yeah. April twenty fifth. Yeah. No, it's the it, it, we're one one month away, so we're getting the jitters a little bit. Uh, spirits are good. But teams definitely have stuff to address. Oh, and for sure. The number eight pick in Detroit is something that <laughs> I think is it's one of those big question marks. It could go a lot of different ways. Uh, we're seeing a lot of mock drafts having Rashawn Gary, which is interesting because he's kind of been one of he's been on the back judge's naughty list. Yeah, uh, he has. so to speak. Yep. He's been someone that not a lot of people have had great faith in. I'd say Tommy probably has the most amount of faith out of the four of us. Well, he, Tommy Gary. usually has the most amount of faith in, in any in prospect. Anyway. <laughs> no <laughs> one's bad. <laughs> no one's bad in Tommy's book. <laughs> When's the last time he's called a bus? I want, that's my challenge to Big T, <laughs> Big T-Bone. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Gary, not someone that we necessarily love here at the back judge. So seeing him get mocked to the Lions was, uh, was kind of interesting at eight, considering that a guy like Devin Bush would be on the board and, uh, well, we're both Bush guys. Yeah, teammate in Michigan. And I think Dolan's kind of a Bush guy, too. Yeah. I think he likes Devin White a lot, too. But uh, just considering the fact that, like the line, like we were talking about with the Niners and the Giants, addressing who you are, addressing that Gerard Davis may not be the number one linebacker. Maybe he's more of a number two guy, and he's a complimentary player to a, a better player and a, and a leader at the middle linebacker position. And I think that that very well could be Devin Bush. And, you know, Transitioning from Ann Arbor to Detroit, I don't think would be very hard for for Bush, and I think he's a natural leader, like I've said on this podcast before. So that's kind of the direction I think I'm leaning with the, with the eighth, yeah, eighth pick. I, you know, every it's like hard because every year, every you know team, every fan of a team wants their team to like move back mm-hmm. and get more value, and then still get like a great player, and that's like the ideal situation for for every you know team. But I do really think the Lions, I would love to see them trade back into the 10 to 15 range, um, especially if there's a guy on the board like, um, I, I don't think Haskins would be on the board at that point, but a Drew Locke um, is potentially you know yeah. one of those teams Someone could, could fall getting, in love with him. Yeah. Or even, I mean, even if there's a guy uh, there like Montez Sweat or Rashawn Gary that like a team like the Packers is really like in love with and they want to like make sure that they get them from 12 and move up to 8. Like I think that those are always you know possibilities, and I do think in terms of where Devin Bush will probably go in the draft would be somewhere between ten and twenty, and that eight just with the defensive line talent that would be on the board where the Lions are picking, I think that would be a little bit of a difficult pick for Quinn to make. But if you're again though, if you're not like that's the position I feel like that we're in because we're looking at these mock drafts and realizing that okay. General top three D-line players in this draft, Quinnen Williams, Josh Allen, and Nick Bosa, 
are not going. They're just probably not going to be there at eight. Mm-hmm. With the way that the draft is likely going to fall, they're going to get picked at some point between one and seven. And so when you're there at eight, you're looking at guys like Montez Sweat, Rashawn Gary, Brian Burns, who all like have clear and obvious talent, but I don't really think are completely well-rounded players. Yeah, that and it's I, not easy to rank those three guys. And it's not. And I, I think at that point, too, you're looking at your team like, okay, we have Deshaun Hand, we have signed Trey Flowers, we have Snacks, we have Ashawn Robinson, and Romeo Quara is not great, but he's definitely a decent you know, second-tier guy to have mm-hmm. on a line with, with all of those dudes who are pretty, I would say, above-average talents in, the, in their own rights. So where the Lions, I'd see, definitely could still definitely use more pass rush help. I think at that point in the draft, you kind of like look and just say, let's just take Devin Bush mm-hmm. and, and make this team. as." And I think it is too early to look at corner. I don't think Greedy Williams or Byron Murphy and DeAndre Baker, the this stuff is kind of cooled on them in terms of the top 10 hype. Yeah. And I, I don't think any of those guys are really worth that eight pick. So the Lions are kind of stuck in a, in a weird place. Um, do you even know. look Cody Ford? I, I think that's another interesting take. Or Jonah go, Williams, if you say. Yeah, there. just go back to the line, man. Whichever one you like, like I, more to, to bolster the line. I think the Lions, like we were talking about in the free agency episode, kind of. It's like we were talking about possibly, I know Mosley was a long shot, but guys like Barr and, and K.J. Wright yeah. and, and, you know, middle linebackers that we could bring in. It's I feel like the Lions need a complimentary edge guy, and they can yeah. get that. This draft is deep for that. You can you can find complimentary edge guys, I think, and maybe even as early as the second round or as late as the fifth, sixth round, you can mm-hmm. find complimentary edge guys. I like one of them to name off the top of my head is a guy like Ben Banigou, who's yeah. going to probably be available in the fourth round. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say he's going to come in and and you know completely turn things upside down, but. Be a role guy, come in for a few snaps for Okora, and just contribute on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball. I think the Lions need a stud linebacker mm-hmm. or or a corner for for if there were a corner on the board, I'd be having. Yeah, I wish there was, was like a Lattimore or something exactly. like in this draft or like a Denzel Ward. But yeah, I just don't think that guy is there, and I think, at least in my eyes, the clearest can't miss prospect or possible stud to me is Devin Bush at linebacker it, past those three guys that you named Bosa, Quinnen, and, and Josh Allen. I even would make the argument for a few guys against Josh Allen, but I think that uh, Devin Bush is is as much of a can't miss prospect as linebacker as you can see. He loves the game. He brings that leader leadership mentality. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Jamal Adams with the mentality that he brings. And a sideline to sideline player who I think would be an absolute beneficial positive impact to the Lions defense from the minute he stepped mm-hmm. or, or you know put the Honolulu blue on. So I just think that it's very clear that that would boost the Lions defense and kind of give them more of an identity defensively with the rotation of guys they have on that defensive line and with the depth they could find either at edge or in the secondary uh, later in the draft. But For we're sure. talking about that number eight pick, you know? And, exactly. And, and, and you got to be leaving that draft the stud with that first round pick, that top 10 pick. So I think that that would kind of be my mentality going into it. Obviously very excited a month away. I would also just like to, to quickly slander Montez Sweat. Mm-hmm. Just no, I don't. I don't understand the hype around this guy at all. I I watch his film. It's yeah. I mean, I watched this guy's film, and I was like, okay, maybe like second, third round pick. Like he clearly has some physical ability, nice arm length on him. Like he's good ability to make sure that tackles don't get into his body as much. But he has no ability to bend the edge. 
like at all. Mm -hmm. He's not going to run around you. I mean, he can run a 4-4 in a straight line, which is great. And I mean, he did have a decent three-cone time, but if you just watch on tape, you just like, it doesn't, his, his hips and his upper body, like don't bend. He's just a big flat board to me. And I don't understand how you can be, this guy, I've seen this guy go five to the Bucks. I think that would be yeah. insane for him. He's he's a little slight too. He's only two fifty. I I just would. I don't know. I'm just not really. I, that I'm kind of with you him. there. I, I don't I don't uh, see him as a high ranking prospect, especially playing alongside that D line with Jeffrey Simmons. I think Simmons is doing uh, a lot more of the dirty work in there, and I think he's a he's definitely. I think clear the clearly better of the two, like clear as day better of the two. And he was, you know, the highest I saw him going was maybe four or five. So I don't think sweat is in that same neighborhood. I think it's pretty, uh, pretty discernible difference there. Um, I do want to talk uh, about just some prospect fits that I was thinking about, starting with the Kansas City Chiefs and Hollywood Brown uh, from Oklahoma. I, I mean, the Tyreek Hill news. Yeah, I mean, just what are you going to say? Horrible, uh, ridiculous. Obviously, you know, not um, set, not convicted. Yeah. Of anything, but the guy's got a track record, though. But, I mean, uh, I, <laughs> not exactly uh, out of character. Yeah. One could say, like, like when uh, Jameis Winston said, "Groping the Uber driver was completely uncharacteristic of me." It, yeah. it was not. It, it was not. It was very. I would have predicted that you would do something like that. <laughs> so uh, this is the same thing with Tyreek Hill. Let's just and, say, usually the the guy who who stands up on the table and says, "You know what he said? I'm not going to repeat the words." Yeah. You know, this is a family friendly show. <laughs> is the guy to grab the Uber driver is to grope the Uber driver in the car? Yeah. Usually synonymous to usually the guy who who physically harms his pregnant girlfriend when he's 22 is the guy who physically harms the same girl and he's the born kid, the born child. Yeah. Uh, you know, four years later, three years later, or whatever it is. I think that uh, you know the proof is in the pudding, but. We shall see. You know, you never like to, you know, tell anyone they're guilty before they're proven guilty. But um, we'll see. Bad news for the Chiefs all Bad around. news for the Chiefs yeah. for sure. And <laughs> you're looking at this offense now that has lost Kareem Hunt and now seemingly Tyreek Hill potentially. For for this team, I mean, you got to – as weird as it sounds, so like for a team that was so offensively potent last year, you have to add more on, on offense even though their defense wasn't even that good last year. So that's why I kind of thought Hollywood Brown could be an interesting spot for them at the end of the first round. Um, a guy who was almost even kind of seemed like replaced by Paris Campbell post post combine. Yeah. But Paris Campbell, not really sure uh, how much of a complete football player he is. Had a lot of drop issues at uh, at Ohio State. So I think first round would be kind of high for him. Um, I think Hollywood Brown, just to step in with my little college yeah. football knowledge, I think Hollywood Brown is clearly the better player. They're like another, that's mm-hmm. like as discernible of a difference as you're going to find. Hollywood Brown's way more complete, better route runner, better hands, better all around receiver. I think Paris Campbell obviously ran a faster forty time, but I don't and know. I how think much there's, else. I think there's a debate to be made that Terry McLaurin is even better than Paris Campbell, the other yeah. other Ohio State receiver. So I mean, I I think the Paris Campbell hype. I mean, we're just kind of getting off track a little bit. Yeah. That has gotten a little out of control for me. Um, but going back to the Chiefs, definitely need to add uh, some sort of offensive weapon there. Hollywood Brown, man, that's my number one receiver right there. I haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't budged on that. I've, I've had him um, in front of the highly coveted DK since this whole process kind of began just because of how much he popped off the uh, the tape at Oklahoma, how much he contributed. I thought it was interesting uh, to see a mock draft have Arizona taking Kyler at one and trading Rosen to the Patriots for that oh, last pick in the first God. round and then taking Hollywood Brown and reuniting those Oklahoma boys uh, in Arizona with the 32nd pick. I, I, that's, I would I, just I hope the Cardinals wouldn't do that. 
Yeah. Just just spare us from That's a, that, that could be an interesting segue oh. into our next topic, which is what we know we can I think it's clear as day. Another clear as day uh, thing here is Kyler Murray's going number one to yeah. the Arizona Cardinals. I think it's 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 pretty clear that they hired Cliff Kingsbury and uh, the decision has been made there. I think Cliff's guy is Kyler. And what does the future hold for Josh Rosen, who this time last year we were talking about as maybe not the possible first overall pick, but an option there at two for the Giants and a top five, top five pick, you know, some people's favorite quarterback out of that uh, – out of that, you know, five way of, of great quarterback class we had last mm-hmm. year, Cardinals ended up snagging him at 10, which a lot of people thought was a little bit late for him. Now we're hearing, you know, maybe third round flying around for him, maybe first round flying around for him. I don't really know where to land. Uh, I, I, I did at like second, third maybe, but with Josh Rosen, I don't know what, what type of value the Cardinals are going to be getting for him and when they're going to be trading him. Yeah, I mean, I think that we were kind of talking earlier about how if I'm the Cardinals, I'm holding out until the last possible second to try and get a first-round pick for, for Josh Rosen. Um, get as many teams into, you know, the bidding war as possible. I mean, I think, you know, at the end of the day, if you you hired Cliff Kingsbury and you should just draft Kyler Murray number one. Because if you're going to make that decision to draft Cliff Kingsbury, you should just draft the quarterback that he wants to get. And if it is true that he is bought and sold for Kyler Murray and yeah. he and would seemingly fit, you know, the offense that Cliff Kingsbury wants to bring to the NFL – you should just absolutely go ahead and do that, no matter what you did last year, no matter how, how much dead money it puts on your cap. Even if it's a bad image look, who, who cares? Just make the right decision. I mean, we've talked about all these teams, the Jaguars, the Giants, who have just tricked themselves into believing they have the right option at quarterback. And if you know, like, the only team that know, you know, if you think that Josh Rosen gives you your best chance to win a Super Bowl, then obviously you should take Nick Bosa at one. Yeah. But if you think that Kyler Murray gives you a better chance to win the Super Bowl than Josh Rosen, then yeah. you draft him. That's the, you, you make those types of decisions. You don't make decisions based out of fear out of what others will think. Because then if you get fired you know, making other people's mistakes or making the general public's perceptions of you like you're gonna, matter. You're going to regret your time you, uh, on your job. Yeah. Then. So like <clears> – I so but in terms of Rosen – I think it would be you'd pretty easily be able to get like a 20, 2020, um, you know, potentially twenty twenty first round pick um, for him, or at least like a twenty nineteen second. Mm-hmm. I like I would be shocked if you wouldn't be able to get that for yeah. for Josh Rosen for a team like Miami team like we were saying the Bengals should be all over like this. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> like you're sitting there at eleven, your team has so many holes. On the roster, yeah. so you're not exactly in a position to be like, oh, I want to trade away assets to go to number two to get Dwayne Haskins. Mm-hmm. So I could just, you know, trade my 11th overall pick, or trade the 2020 first rounder, or maybe my 2019 second to go get one of the highly coveted quarterbacks from last year's class, who is going to go to a system where I think he can thrive, and it's like Zach Taylor is going to bring yeah. an LA type system where there's a quarterback in LA who isn't exactly the superhuman talent, but he has good arms, uh, you know, he has a good arm ability and is pretty smart as Josh Rosen is and can put the ball where it needs to be. So yeah. that's kind of what I think this I think Cincinnati would be a really good spot for him. Also just a little bit out of the, you know, maybe Washington too. Another kind of yeah, quarterback hungry Exactly. Team. So I think either of those teams or in the Giants should probably be all over this. You yeah, know, if you're not in love with Haskins already. I mean, that's an interesting kind of question is like who do you like more, Haskins or Rosen? Who would be your guy yeah. if they were kind of melded into the same draft class? And I, that's one that if you had asked me that two weeks ago, I would have said Rosen. But I would take Haskins. On the, to be uh, today, I'm, 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 and, I would take Haskins. I mean, as much like, the thing is though for us too, to even be like, 
arguing that. I mean, quarterback can be a lot about personality and fit too, and yeah. the type of culture that you want to have. So, like from that sense, you know, it's I wouldn't necessarily like blame a team for liking one guy over the other, but mm-hmm. I feel like for for me, I would rather have Haskins than than Rosen, based off of just like what I've seen from him in terms of just like saying he didn't want to go to Cleveland. And then just like going into the press conference and saying, "Oh, all these teams that pass on me, like I'm going to yeah. show them." It's like you know what you played yourself into that, like you know, uh, So I don't know. That's, I think he, I think he's a bit arrogant. I think yes. I think there's an arrogance to to Josh Rosen, and that doesn't mean it's bad, yeah. but it's just like not exactly. I don't know. He it's somewhat cutlery. Yeah, yeah. And and cutlery is scary to, yep. to me. I, I don't care uh, who you are. It should be scary. If you're a football fan and mm-hmm. you experienced the Jay Cutler era, I, I, I think that... Even as a as a bystander. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that it should be scary to anyone. And uh, I don't know. I think Rosen has, uh, you know, obviously enough talent to compete. But I don't know if he's, if he's all there and ready to be a franchise quarterback and live and breathe football. And I think that that is, you know, might be a little bit of a shot below the belt at Josh Rosen. And, you know, I'm sorry for that, but I, that's really my genuine analysis. I, and, I, and I think that Haskins is a guy who's more ready to do that and in cherishing the moment to where Rosen seems a, a bit more complacent, especially in the, in the time you saw last year with Arizona. Not even a great team around him, but still, what do you put on tape versus what, you know, was expected of him before the draft? It's not necessarily extremely show, like, uh, telling. But I think that, you know, some GMs, there are GMs out there that wouldn't give more, a higher than a third for him. Yeah. And that's because of what he put on tape this mm-hmm. year. So, you know, there's something to say, to be said about that. Also, though, I did see a thing that he was sacked, I think, 17 times in under two and a half seconds. And that yeah. was the most in the NFL. And he didn't even play the whole year. Yeah. So, like, I think there's stuff with Rosen, too. He also he... threw more pick sixes than touchdowns, yep. I'm sure. So, yeah. Really? Yeah. Or not touchdowns. Maybe it was Inter- there, there, there was a stat online interceptions and touchdowns. Maybe yeah, there was it was no it was something with pick sixes and it, maybe it wasn't touchdowns. But I need to I'll pull up the video after this and, and, and fact check it. <laughs> but it's, it was something ridiculous that uh, it, it showed. I'll, I'll show it to you. It was like a mock video. Okay, uh, and one more. Um, I don't know if you have a one you thought of, but uh, one more fit that I really like is Dalton Reisner, uh, Kansas State offensive lineman to the Texans. I think the Texans have a lot of holes on their offensive line, obviously. And Reisner is a guy who is, I think is a tackle, but also has ability to play guard and just really just a great grinder player. So I think you bring him in, you know, he'll be around in the 20s to pick. Um, just a guy who's going to come in, put his nose to the grindstone, is versatile, and can offer you, you know, options up and down the line for wherever you need fit. I think that would be a really good pick for the Texans who just need to draft all the offensive linemen. Yeah. Sign Matt Kalo. Yep. Yeah. Sign them all. Draft them all. Yeah. Again, why not, you know, reach out to someone in the free agency, an experienced lineman that you can sign, you know, four years for 11 or $12 million a year? I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Overpaid but, Juwan James a little bit? Yeah. I don't Roger know. Roger Saffold, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Pick your poison. <laughs> you know, it's up to you. Any any other topics that you uh, – I'm trying to think of like a fit that, well, I, that I possibly you, like here. Just a quick note, the Browns not drafting in the first round. Wild, yeah, crazy. They've been up at the top for years and years and years, and times. Those have fans changed. are probably happy to be out of the conversation for once. Yeah, times have changed. I did want to bring up kind of a, uh, you know, a random interesting thought, which is the prospects of the Bengals uh, giving up AJ Green, yep. uh, making a blockbuster trade, maybe uh, admitting that they maybe this this isn't their year, and uh, they should not let 
you know, a career that's already somewhat gone to waste in terms of almost like a Calvin Johnson yeah. type of thing. Yeah, obviously see, not. He's he's agreeing not near the talent that Calvin is, but going to waste in the way where all their highlights, Hall of Fame level player who may not get that consideration yeah. because of where he's at in his career right now. Yeah, all his highlights are going to be on a highlight tape uh, and not on uh, not on not in a meaningful postseason game. No. You know, it's a, none of, none of that's going to happen in any real meaningful game, which is sad to hear. Maybe ship, shipping off AJ Green, seeing what the Giants got for Odell. I know AJ isn't quite as young or polarizing, but. Uh, Obviously, one of the I think it's easy to label him as an elite NFL receiver, mm-hmm. and just be interesting to test the waters a bit and see what a team like maybe Carolina, who who was looking to make a push, would give up for a guy like AJ Green. Um, you know, just thought maybe you'd put that out there. Bengals, if if, if the ship is sinking early, yeah, um, AJ Green isn't getting any younger. So I'd be curious to see what the the cap numbers are on that. Yeah, no, that's what, what that's another of, huge factor. That would be. 